praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads to pray. Our precious Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege we have to be here this morning to worship you and to listen to your word. Yeah, we thank you, Lord. We trust you to teach us by your spirit and grant us understanding and revelation. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Okay, we are looking at the blessings. You know, the team we have is blessed. If you are blessed, say amen. amen. We started to look at some of the reasons that these things don't work because a lot of Christians can rattle through our blessings, but they talk, what's are cheap. The important thing is to experience them because that's why Jesus came. And then we are given some of the backgrounds of some of the things that can hinder us from experiencing them. And as we go on, we'll be mentioning them. But I think it's time for us to begin to talk about them in detail, the blessings themselves, and look into them and understand that they're real. And so we started to talk about the blessing of life. On Thursday, we were talking about eternal life, which you may not hear about the rest of your, all your years of a Christian, we hear about it. And yet, that's why Jesus came. Isn't it absurd that Jesus came to give us life and the church doesn't talk about it? Doesn't talk about it. But before we start, I want, to, I want to tell us something that I believe the Lord gave me for everybody. Every member of this church and anyone who is a Christian hearing me, listen to this. Make sure you start talking to someone about Jesus. Make sure you start talking to someone about who? Jesus. And following them up yourself. Follow them up yourself. The scripture says make them disciples. It didn't say talk to them and leave them. Make them disciples. Follow them up yourself, continuing to talk to them on the phone, praying with them, loving them, sharing with them, being there for them. That's Jesus said to make them disciples. So follow them up yourself until they are established in a church that preaches the grace of God and that will teach them the benefits of the cross. A church that will teach them what Jesus died for them to have. That's what the church should be teaching. You can, you, you have so many methods, you can start small, you know, conversation, breaking the ice with friendship. There is a ripe person near you that the Holy Spirit will show you. There is somebody ripe near you. You know, we say, if you don't, if you can't give, if you, you don't, if you can't go, do what? Stop. Go. Everybody should go. There's nothing like if you can't give. Everybody, did Jesus didn't say if you can't go. This, this, let's read the scripture, Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, do what? I didn't hear you. What did he say to them? Oh, he said, if you can't go. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature, every creature. Go ye, me, you, everybody, go, go, go. Point to somebody, don't touch them. Point to somebody that say, go. Ah, you're afraid because you're not going. Say it. I want you to say it one more time. Come on, go. We have disobeyed Jesus a long time. We have disobeyed Jesus Christ a long time. He didn't say, if you feel like, go. He didn't say, if it's convenient for you, go. He said, go. Every, every Christian, go. Tell the story of what Jesus did for you. Is, didn't he do something for you? Is there nothing to tell? Some of you, God has given you incredible miracles, healed you. Brought you peace, brought you life, brought you... You haven't told anybody. Nobody has ever heard you glorify Jesus you, you, with what he did for you. You never shared anything with anybody. Never. This is support. There must be somebody that the Lord will 
show you and said, his stripe is ready. And he will give you the method to use. Don't use, don't use, don't use uh, uh, one set method. The Holy Spirit will give you the method to use. It's easy. You don't have to sweat about it. Some of them is simple. Hey, how are you at your job? Oh, how was your day? And you break the ice as you go on. Only the Lord can open the door. Don't force the door open. If it looks like it's not coming forward, please don't force it open. Be yourself. Relax. You don't have to sweat. Friendship evangelism works awesome. Works awesome. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. You can, you can never tell a family God will use you to restore and bring back together. You can never tell. I don't know how many people came to this church that told me they were on the verge of divorce. I mean, these are very, very educated people, very rich people. They told me. They said, Pastor, we were on the verge of separating. And somebody brought us and we started hearing the word. During my issue, well, the, my bad issue, I've had one of, one of the couple say so, that we were, we were on the verge of separating. We were, and while we were going to church, they say, it's okay, you can go. That you don't know, you don't know, you don't know what God, what God can use you to do to save lives. People are people are desperate for God. You have no idea. The human being is de- human being is incomplete without God. People are desperate for God. That's why anywhere they hear miracle, they truth because they, they they know they need God. And we have the real McCoy. We have the real story. We have Jesus. Why are we hiding Jesus? Why are we ashamed of Jesus? Jesus said, "Go, everybody, go, 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 go." He gave me this message. He said, go tell your church that Christians must obey me. People are dying. People are going to hell. You sit up here, and then you want to come and be blessed some more. The one he gave you, what did you do with it? So if you are hearing my voice, let me repeat it. Every member of this church, if you are hearing my voice, and anybody hearing my voice over the TV or whatever, if you're a Christian, go. Jesus said, go. Go. It's easy. Phone. It's easy. At your place of work, Lord, who is ripe here? He will show you. You'll be so surprised how easy it is. Your heart will leap for joy when you hear the testimony of what God did to you. I went to preach somewhere. Somebody was going to commit suicide. All he saw was this thing, or whatever they call it. Hand that water. And then he said, let me go and hear this man. After that sermon, he walked up to me. And the pastor that I read, he said, I was on my way to kill myself. Life meant nothing to me anymore. And I saw this thing. And when I came here, I saw, I saw hope. God gave me hope. Jesus came. The hope of glory. He said, I was willing to kill myself. Nobody knew. You can't tell who God will send you to, who is about to commit suicide. You can never tell. You, you, this is so gentle. You can't wait. You just cannot wait. To an agreement, say amen. amen. God gave you something, give it out. Gave you Jesus, give it to somebody. Again, point to somebody that said, Go. I didn't hear you. If you don't say it, I'm not preaching again. Say it louder, go. Say it louder, go. And let me tell you, it's easy. It's easy. When I went to visit the hospitals, our sister here, Dora, such a beautiful sister. Her life alone was touched. People were talking to me about her. You don't have to, this is not difficult. Her life alone, her care for patients, how she treats them, they were telling me about her. And I was her pastor. Man, I, my shoulder went up. But it's better, it's, it's different than, than telling me she makes trouble. Everybody was telling me how kind this woman is. How, man, I'm t- that's awesome evangelism. You don't have, it's easy. It's not difficult. How she will pray for them, pray for them. Don't ever give up any opportunity to pray for somebody who is sick. 
If God ever gives you that opportunity, you don't have to yell, you don't have to shout. You can quietly pray for them without touching. Okay, that's evangelism too. Anybody that shares with you their problem, ask them, do you want me to pray with you? Can I pray with you? It was a co-worker my wife prayed for. Heart problem. In the parking lot, God healed the woman. They were rushing her to hospital. With ambulance had come. He said, can I pray for you? They said, yeah. She prayed for her. The woman was instantly healed, got up, and went back to her work. In the parking lot. That's evangelism. You can't tell, you can't tell the gifts of the Spirit in you until you start using it. You will see the Holy Spirit begin to use you in a manner that will, you will say, whoa, so I have had this and all this while. Yes. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discernment of spirit. You see visions ministering to people. That's when the Holy Spirit will come alive in you. If you want to grow, preach the gospel. If you don't preach the gospel, you're not growing. All the, all loading of information, load me with information. What make you grow? It's digesting, meditating, and using. Meditating and using. Then you start growing. When God says that you are using, he gives you more. You are giving, he gives you more. But if you load it, load it, you are not using, it's only blessing me, bless me thing. It's nothing. Zero. Nothing. So you must go. Can I hear amen? Am I still your pastor? Oh, yeah. I know you love me, and I know I love you. And we're in this together. Can I hear amen? So turn to stop, point to somebody again and say, go. I'm ready to roll. Praise the Lord. So now we go to our topic. We're talking about the blessing we have, the blessing of life. Brethren, you know that life is the most important blessing. If you don't have it, nothing else is working. Once your life is on the line, you fight. Because you want to be alive. A dead man, what are you telling a dead person? Nothing. Without life, nothing else. So life is the primary blessing that God gives. And then we're talking about it on, on Thursday, eternal life. Eternal life. What is eternal life? The nature of God. The life that was in Christ Jesus. The life, the seed of God. The spirit of Christ. Eternal life. The Bible said his life itself. His life itself. He said, I came to give you life and to give you life. How? More abundantly. Eternal life. The wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is what? Eternal life, eternal life. It is this eternal life that enables you to live the life of God. Brethren, understand that the Christianity is not living the life of a man. That's why it's called the spirit life. It's not trying to be better. It's not trying to be, you know, improve. Something to improve upon. A junk is a junk. Christianity is about living the life of God, the life of Jesus. He, that's why I said, I came to give you my life, because this is the life that God accepts. Nothing else. And you can live it because it's not your life. He is, he is the only one that can live it through you. It's effortless. There's nothing that God gives us that requires any effort. Jesus said, hey, give me the burden of life. I give you rest in exchange. Take rest. Stop. Stop. Let me take it over. That's it. Very simple. By faith, you accept it. By faith, you say, Christ, live this life. Paul understood this thing. It is no longer I that. So Paul was not trying to improve or be better. No. He said, Christ now lives. The life I live, I simply live by faith in him. That's what it is. That's what God gave us. That's what gave us. Ephesians 2 verse 10. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. See, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. 
Why? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. If he didn't give you this new life, you cannot do that which he planned long ago. It's not possible. It's beyond man. The love of God, the life of God is not what a man can live. Forget about it. You can't improve until you are like God. It's impossible. You can't be. You're just not possible. And that's what, that's what sense teaching, sense knowledge teaching has done to the church. We have, we have focused on people improving, you know, changing, making, getting better. And then tomorrow they say, hey, now that I'm good now, they have this entitlement mentality because now I'm better. I, I, I used to think I'm no more doing this. this, this. Nobody talks about what Jesus did. Nobody gives him the glory. I was telling somebody, I say, now that you know, this corona thing is coming down, nobody is giving Jesus the glory. The politicians are fighting over who, is, who, who was the one that made it happen. Not even the church is remembering to say to Jesus, thank you. And yet, when he was killing us, we were praying, 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 praying. He has, he has helping now. The thing is going down. Who has ever gone to the Lord and said, thank you, Jesus, you are the one? He said, the politicians are sharing glory, fighting over themselves. Because that's what they do. I don't have time for them. I don't listen to them. If you, if you like, you're listening to them. I've told somebody, I said, this thing you people are listening to, that people listen to, and they, they, they kill their wife. Listen to it. Kill their wife. Kill their husband. A, 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 a child will insult the father because of this new things you are listening to. Is that the spirit of God? You are listening to it until you get so bitter that you can insult your father. You can insult your mother. You tell me this is the spirit of God and you are imbibing the same corruption from Satan? Will he not poison you? Romans 4, 7. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You die to the power of the law. Can I hear amen? We die to the power of the law when you died with Christ. Now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result of this uniting, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. He said you died to the law. How did you die to the law? He said when, you, when Christ died, for you, you died. If you do something for me, I'm the one that did it. If you pay her on my behalf, if you ask her, she'll tell you, yeah, he has paid me. Even though I didn't pay directly, but he said, I, he, paid, he paid me. So when Christ died for you, you died. And I hear amen. You died, and you are joined to him, so you share in his death. When he rose up, you rose up. He rose for you. And then what happened is because when you died with Christ now, you, you, the old nature is dead. You rose up in newness of life and married Jesus. You became one with him. And the Bible said, now you, you are no more under the law because you are married a new master. You are joined to Christ. You become one body. Like my wife saw me, very handsome man, left her family. I won't tell you the story. And came and married me. The day she said, yes, that this very handsome man is now my husband, she didn't, she didn't even wait for the bishop to finish saying, she said, yeah, I do. So the day she said that I do, she left her family, joined to me, we become one flesh. This is illustrate to us spiritual things. The day you came to Christ, your old nature was taken away. Old things are passed away. The new man that you became is joined to Christ. You are married to Jesus. The law is no more your master to guide you. The spirit of Christ becomes your new master to guide you. You are married to Jesus. You have a new master. You have a new husband. He is the one now to whom you yield, you submit, 
Wife, submit your husband, teaches you the same thing with Christ. He says, ask the church of Christ. You submit to him now. He guides you by his spirit, teaches you by his spirit, and everything he has becomes yours in this union. You die to your old self, you rose in newness of life, married, joined to Christ, married to Jesus. He becomes your new master. As many as are led by the spirit of God now, they are what? So the Holy Spirit leads you. You don't need the law because the Holy Spirit is bigger than the law. God is bigger than the law. If you understand me, shout hallelujah. And so in this, in this new joining, you receive a new life. It's like an alloy. They call it an alloy in science. When you bring a metal and join it to another metal, it becomes an alloy. And then the strength of the weaker one is improved because the strength of the weaker iron and metal is now the strength of the stronger one. You cannot bend the weaker one because it's joined to the stronger one. I, I know, Brokris, you know what I'm talking You're an engineer. That's structural engineering. I'm a pharmacist, but at least I learned some of those things. So when you join make an alloy, it's a new metal you have formed. The strength of that, the weaker one, improves because it's joined to the strength of the stronger one. They use alloys to do awesome stuff in, in structural engineering. So Christ produced an alloy. He took you weaker one, joined to him. The Lord is now the strength of your of whom can you fear? So you, not, you cannot do all because you have a strength you didn't have before. Praise the Lord. So the prophet said this of old in Ezekiel 36, verse 26. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you the heart of flesh. It is life. He's talking about life. And I will put my spirit within you. Now, when I put my spirit within you, what will I do? I'll put my spirit within you. What will happen? And cause you to walk in my status. What makes you walk in it is the spirit he has put within you. It's the spirit he has put within you. That's why the Bible says eternal life is key. That's what changes a man. The life of Christ that he put within you. He says, so you can now do, you can now live this life of God, which is beyond human being to do. Brethren, it's not just being good and this. It also includes the, the spirit life of healing people, doing miracles, living an unusual life. It's all of it. It's all of it. When Jesus lived here, he didn't live like a, a regular man, though he was a man. Because he was, if he wasn't a man, he can't represent us. No spirit could represent us. It had to be a man to represent us. But he was living the, the life beyond the regular. And that same life is what he gave us. So we live a life that is peculiar, a life that is unusual, uncommon. So we can, we can exercise authorities too. We can speak to mountains too. It's not regular to speak to mountains, but you can. Because of the new ability you have, the new authority you have, the new privileges you have. So he said, I will not cause you to walk in my what? Status, and you shall now be able to keep my judgments. My judgment is my instructions. And do them. If you remove that spirit, you will not be able. Not be able. The church will teach this thing. The church, many people are not, are not matured. That's why they are running after pastors and, and also men of God. Run after them and they're being cheated, being messed up all over the place. Because they don't know God. If you know God, you'll be strong. You yourself will be doing exploits. You won't need nobody. You will understand his judgments. You will understand his guidance. You will, he will teach you. He will lead you, teach you everything about life. Everything. I said it on Thursday. You receive eternal life. Your aptitude is no more regular. 
It's no more regular. You have incredible ability and wisdom that that life has imparted in you. You, um, you don't know it because nobody ever told you. And it's lying down and there. So that takes care of that life that we have. If you want to hear more, you listen to Thursday Bible studies. And if the Lord leads us, we go along that line on Thursday again. But you have received the life of God. You are no more regular. You are a spirit man, a spirit woman. The Lord is the strength of your what? Life. Don't go around saying, this is for my family. This is for, it's not for your family. That thing from your family was cut off when you came to Christ. All things are for what? Passive. Stop using that language. It, 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 it flies in the face of the cross. You are saying to Jesus, you didn't do anything. You were circumcised. The old nature was cut off. Don't tell, tell people, you know, hey, my father had it. What? what? Aren't you a new creature? How many things passed away? I didn't hear you. How many things passed away? All things passed away. Don't, don't, don't claim those things that God didn't give you. Don't claim that. It flies in the face of the gospel. It's a total denial of the gospel. Complete denial of the gospel. You know, we don't, because we don't know what we do when we deny the word of God. Jesus said, if you do that, I deny you too. It won't work unless you begin to believe it's true and confess it's true. Praise the Lord. Ah, I said, praise the Lord. Praise you know, I read of a couple, they, they just, they just, I mean, it's good to it's good to know the truth because the truth will set you free. All they did was, the husband was, they were going to divorce. They are planned how to go to court and go away. And then the husband got this book that was teaching on, you know, that God gave us eternal life. And then he started to read it. And then the, the, the wife, being such a jealous person, said, what are you reading? He said, you can read too. And the wife started reading. He said, what? This thing makes a difference. And they gave their life to Christ. They said, we need this type of thing. Do you know that? It wasn't long that children in the home called them and said, we haven't had you quarrel in one week. What, is, what went wrong? Do you know uh, the same testimony in this church? A brother, a very dear brother, highly pressed, placed, very educated, came to me. He said, Pastor, my children said, we have a new father. That's what eternal life does. Can't hide it. Jesus said, this light cannot be put, what? Under the bush. Their children say, we haven't had you quarrel in one week. What happened? They say, we have eternal life. The children say, we need it too. And that, you can't talk of divorce where eternal life is ruling because the love of God is the love of God. He will endure, will forgive. He's, he's not proud. He doesn't exalt himself. You don't. You don't. Let's talk about uh, health. How God provided us uh, health. Matthew 8, 17. He did this to make come true what the prophet Isaiah has said. He himself took our what? He himself took our what? Sickness and carried away our what? Diseases. He himself, Jesus himself took. Took is a simple word now. If this is here, if I came here and took it from you, you don't have it anymore. He took it and carried it away. Now, is, that that, is that that the scripture is true or it's not true? But I believe it's true. He himself, is he talking about? The Lord Jesus. He took our sickness and carried away our disease. Then the 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 tip the put it like this. In doing this, Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. He put upon himself our weaknesses and he carried away our diseases and made us well. <laughs> he made us well. Not going to make us well. He made us well. He made us well. Well, he made me well. Can we say it together? Say it one more time. He made me well. 
I taught this to the women in one of your conferences. One of the pastor's wife that came there was very sick. She took this scripture, and before long, all the symptoms left her. And she told me this story herself. She said, I began to meditate on this and began to really focus on this. He said, without knowing it, everything, boom, just left. But the word of God is true. Absolutely true. Totally true. We, we have not been, we, we, we are always thinking of somebody come lay hands on me. This kind of Nehemiah's ministry, I thought he should have come out to lay hands on me. And do he gave him the word. He said, go do this, go do this. He said, hey, why didn't he come out and lay hands on me? Lay hands on me, lay hands on me. The Bible says he took, put it back, tip it, put it back. He took it. In doing this, Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. He put upon himself our weaknesses and he carried away our disease and made us well. And made us well. He made us well. All you need to do is meditate on it. If you meditate on this day, afternoon, night, morning, afternoon, night, if, before four weeks, every symptom will leave you. All of it will leave you. I'm telling you, it will leave you. Because this is a sword. It causes everything to shred. It will leave you alone. All of it will leave you. I get all manner of symptoms. You think I don't get? I get dangerous symptoms. I won't tell you that I don't talk for the devil. I get symptoms. Because everybody fights this fight of faith. Everybody. Everybody. But I take hold of the word. And I say to Jesus, I will never deny you. I would rather die than deny you. You died for me. I would rather than deny you. Till you did this. Praise the Lord. Say, praise the Lord. I want to explain to us the, the principle of substitution that will help us understand these scriptures. The, uh, you know that Jesus is the word. He's the word. The, the prophets, the apostles wrote about him. Everything in the Bible is about Jesus. Everything. Everything. Everything is about Jesus. Because he's the word made man. He's the word. If he's the word of God, Christ is the word. In Philip, John 1, 45. Philip finded Nathaniel and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law. See, Moses wrote in the law, and the prophets did write. <laughs> the, the law Moses wrote, and the prophets, everything they wrote is about him. Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. Now, we read about the Old Testament to see the shadow so we can see what the real, the spirit, the, 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 the Old Testament is like physical to show you. Because without the Old Testament, we will ne- not understand the new. For instance, if we didn't read about the sacrifices in the Old Testament, we would not understand the cross, the sacrifice of the cross. So God used this Old Testament physical things that we can see as shadow to show us spiritual things that is the reality you are not going to see, but it's real. It's real. So 1 Corinthians 10, 11, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the ages. They were written as examples for us. So what are they, what is the example? Now let's look at burnt offering, which is the most important of all. You know, Israel had about, I think, five offerings they were doing. Five, they had peace offering, they have all my offering, but burnt offering is the one that really, is the most important of them all, because that's what talks about bringing the animal and burning it in about our sin, about sin. So now, the, the burnt offering is something that they do. Somebody wrote something about it. They said the burnt offering was the most important sacrifice that most Israelite festivals. I was offered once every morning and once every evening. Can you imagine if Jesus didn't come? So you come here once. I would have loved it too. Because you come here every morning. I want to see you. You don't, you don't come to church, but you have to come here every morning and come every evening. No, I'm not kidding. I, I prefer Jesus coming. So what I'm trying to say is, can you imagine that I have to come and do this in the morning, 
leave. Every morning, you bring your burnt offering, and I'll be outside there. I'll be worn out. Be outside there collecting sheep and, uh, and then killing them. They'll be, they'll be killing them, killing them, blood everywhere. Can you imagine what Jesus did for us? Can you imagine what Jesus did for us? And so they will bring this into the, into the let, let's read it, Leviticus chapter 1 from verse 1. The Lord called to Moses from the tabernacle and said to him, Give the following instruction to the people of Israel. When you present an animal as an offering to the Lord, you may take it from your herd of cattle or your flock of sheep and goats. Verse 3, if the animal you present as a burnt offering is from the herd, it must be a male with no defects. Christ, the sinless lamb of God, with no defect. Bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle so you may be accepted by the Lord. See why righteousness is not by works. God is, is telling us it is the sacrifice of Christ that made you accepted to me. So he brought us this gift of righteousness. If you read Isaiah 53, see where it said, because of this sacrifice, many will be made righteous. That's what God was telling Israel, and they didn't understand it. They were working hard for righteousness. The, the, the Gentiles simply accepted it, and they worked for them. He said, so that we'll be accepted by the Lord. Lay your hand on the animal's what? Head. Can you read it? Lay your hands on what? Animal's head. And the Lord will accept its death in your place. To purify you, making you what? Right with him. God is teaching us that I'm going to present my own lamb upon whom I will lay your sins. All your sins will be upon him. And I'm going to sacrifice him myself. And when I do that, if you accept that he died for you, then I will accept you, make you righteous, give you my blessings, and be your father. Very simple arrangement. Cause substitution. So Christ came and died in my place, died in your place. So you see that animal, when the, when the Israelite brings it and puts his hand upon the head, and then he, what he says is, you are carrying all my sins. And so when that animal is being slaughtered, you realize that you, you should have been slaughtered there. You should have been slaughtered there. But this animal is slaughtered for you. And he had no blemish, no problem. But he was slaughtered because... You laid your hands and made him to be seen for you. It was slaughtered there. And God says, once that is done, I can accept you. I will count you righteous. Why? Because all your sins have been laid upon this animal. In other words, you have died. If you understand me, shout hallelujah. In other words, you have what? Died because it died in your place. Can we read it? Can we read it again, please? Again, please. This is very important to understand. So he said, lay your hands on the animal's head, and the Lord will accept its death in your place. It's death in your place to purify you, making you right with him, making you right with him, making you right with him. Second Corinthians 5, 21. For he had made him to be seen for us. Who knew what? No sin. That we might be made what? The righteousness of God in Christ. Are you seeing how it works now from the animal? God made him to be seen. Why? He laid on him all our sins, so he can accept us. So you can't go to God and think you'll be accepted for any other reason except that sacrifice. Except, and that's what the devil will do. He'll come and will lay you there, wanting you to substitute the sacrifice with your own good works and roadblock, pam. As God didn't say, I will accept you because of your good works. He said, I will accept you because of the sacrifice. And people struggle there, say, oh, it doesn't mean you do what you like. No, because if you receive eternal life, you are done with sin. The Bible says no murderer has eternal life. I was saying it on Thursday. 
going around uh, lying. He said, you can't, he said, if you have this life, he said, you can't, be, you can't make a, a habit of sinning. You can't. If you're going around and you're making a habit of sinning, people know you for these things. You don't, that, you don't have eternal life. The scripture says so. I didn't say so. Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid, come on, the Lord has what? Laid what on him? What? The iniquity of what? Also. I want us to read that line. And the Lord, let's go. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of, point yourself, when you read, let it get it again. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What did I say? And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of what? Us all. Isaiah 53, 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his son. He shall see of he, he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. You become justified, forgiving, righteous, because of the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. First John 14. Hearing is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What does it mean to be the propitiation for our sins? Another translation says, this is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. When he took it away, God himself took your sins and laid it on him. When God laid it on him, do you have it? Do you have it? You're not sure. Then get saved. If you're not sure, go, go, go back to, go, go and read some, for God so love. That's where you should start. That's why you should go back, and I mean it, you should go back there until you convince yourself that for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have. That's why you should go and start. Because the day you came to Christ, you accepted the sacrifice that God laid. How many? So if he laid it, do you carve it? That's why the Bible says your sins are forgiven for his name's sake because of it. You need to convince yourself. If you can't convince yourself, I can't help you beyond this. Because you need to, you need to receive it yourself. Believe, I can't believe for you. I have to believe for myself. So you need to believe that this is true. And take all this religious junk that has blocked you all these years. Throw it away. All your righteousness is fitting. God just not impressed with that. All of it. It's, it humbles us. Because those are the things that make us feel, you know, I holier than that. No. He said, no. All we like sheep have gone Everybody. Luke 5, 18. Okay, 1 John 2, 12. 1 John 2, 12. I write unto you, little children. Why? Because what? Your sins are forgiving you for his name's sake. Romans 4, 6. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. And and whose sins are covered. Are you part of it? So if you are blessed, what part of the blessing do you know is yours? Healing. Look at it. Look chapter 5, verse 18. And behold, 
men brought in a bed, a man, which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up the house top and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the mist before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are what? Forgiving thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason you in your heart? Whether it's easier to say, what? Thy sins be forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk. He's saying, I want to prove to you that I have the right to forgive sins. And when I forgive his sins, he's healed. The proof of it is that the blessing of healing has come to him. Say, which one is easy? Do you want me to say your sins are forgiven? Or to say, okay, rise up and uh, walk. Say, both of them are same. I can say your sins are forgiven. You are now healed, go. Okay, so let me prove to you his sins are forgiven. Why? If his sins were not forgiven, he can't rise up and go. Are you following me? Am I talking to the right people? Are you still here? If you are not saying yes, I'll go to one Roman Catholic church down there. If you are hearing me, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. He says, I want to prove to you that his sins are forgiven. I forgive sins. He said, the Father gave me the right to forgive sins because I'm the Lamb of God. He said, he gave me that right. And then he said, I want to prove to you that blessed is a man upon whom God does not impute iniquity. The scripture cannot be broken. His iniquities are taken away because I said so. I'm the, I've said so. And then I want to show you that sickness is no more his portion. So now he proved it. What verse did I read that? What verse? Okay, let's read 23 again. Whether it's easier to say that sins be forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man had power upon it to forgive what? Sins. To prove to you, yes, his sins are really forgiven. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy couch, and do what? Go unto the house. What happens in this verse? And what? Let's read it together, everybody. Immediately, he rose up before them, took up that whereupon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And I'm saying to you that hear my voice in the name of the Lord Jesus. Your sins are forgiven you. Arise. Take up your cloth, take up whatever you have, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. Jesus died for you. God laid your sins upon him. Forgiveness is yours. Jesus said, go and preach forgiveness in my name. Tell them your sins are forgiven. Don't run from me. Come be reconciled to me. I'm not counting your iniquities. I paid for it. The church is not teaching them. They teach you there's a book in heaven. When you go there, all your sins will be seen. Fallacy. There's no place you find it in the Bible. They say when you die and get to heaven, your names will be written. <laughs> the Bible talks of the name being removed. They talk of your name being written. They say if you add to this, your names will be removed. Read your Bible. Be removed. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
Is this Bible? Your sins are what? When was it forgiven? God laid on him. You just said it. Are you denying what you said? God laid on him. What? All we like sheep have gone. And we say there's power. In the, we dance. There's power in the blood of Jesus. We think it's. And it's because this is, is forgiven. That's why the devil is disarmed in your life. The same reason. Except another reason. It's because those sins are forgiven. That's what disarms the devil. That's what disarms sickness. That's what disarms the powers of evil. That forgiveness of sin puts them where they belong. They don't have anything to latch on to. Nothing. Praise the Lord. Say praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. Are you following what I'm saying? And so the enemy will try to come and stop you and tell you, no, it's not true. No, it's not true. Jesus didn't heal you. And he'll bring up symptoms because symptoms is what it does. But it will be in your place to fight back and say, no, my sins are forgiven. You don't have a landing pad in my life. You don't have a place to, start, to stand. No, no. The blood denies you access to me. That's why the blood denies the devil access. It denies the devil access because the blood washed away our sins. If you understand me, shout hallelujah. I want you to bend down your head. I want you to meditate on these things. I want the Holy Spirit to talk to you. I want you to rise up and get healed. I want you, all the symptoms to leave you this morning. This is, not a, this is not a bedtime story. This is the truth of the word of God. This is the scripture. This is the scripture. This is the scripture. Bend down and think about it. Meditate upon it. And then you can stand on the grounds of this and say to the devil and sickness, my sins are forgiven. You don't have any grounds to torment me, Satan. The blood stops you. The blood stops you. The blood stops you. The blood of the Son of God was shed for me. The blood stops you. You don't have a ground, Satan. No sickness has a ground to operate in your life, operate in your heart, in your life. The blood stops it. He said, when I see the blood, I pass over you. The blood was shed that your sins are washed away. You are, the blood stops it. The sacrifice of Calvary stops it. The Lamb of God stops it. It stops it. It stops it. Blessed the man to, that all his sins are forgiven. Jesus said, you want to know the effect of forgiveness of sins? Watch this man rise up and walk. If he did, if, if he worked for that man, why shouldn't he work for you? What is the difference? What is the difference? You need to fight. The truth sets free. You can't be condoning things and bothering God when you should stand up and take your place in your, the truth you know and draw your sword and say, you are not doing this, Satan. You have no grounds in my life. The blood was shed to wash away my sins. You have no grounds. I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke you, this sickness. Get out in Jesus' name. You have no place in my life. I fight you. I fight you out of my life. You have no place here. Because you've been armed with the truth. I have the sword of the word. The devil have no, have no grounds at all. The blood was shed for you. God laid on him all our iniquities. Blessed is a the man then upon whom God does not count sin. Why? Jesus carried all of it. He said because he carried it, he took away your sickness, took away your infirmities, all of it. Took it away, all of it, all of it. 